the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Joined by Brett Stevens, one of America's finest columnists. He writes for the New York Times. Good morning, Brett. How are you? Hugh, I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm good. I, I, I want to talk mostly about your column of, of May 3rd, overturning Roe is a radical, not conservative choice. But before I do, since we agree on international issues a lot, let me play for you the president in Japan this morning with the prime minister of Japan at his side. Can we play that cut for him, please? We agree with a one China policy. We signed on to it and all the attendant agreements made from there. But the idea that that it can be taken by force, just taken by force, is just not is just not appropriate. Are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that? Yes. You are? That's the commitment we made. I see very smart people like Gerard Baker, Jerry Dunleavy saying the White House is already walking this back, uh, Brett Stevens. What do you make of this? I think it's, a, it's uh, the right call by the president. Uh, I'll tell you why. Uh, the one China policy is increasingly a dead letter. Um, I wish it weren't, but those were that was a change that was really brought about by Xi Jinping um, at the uh, 70th, uh, or I guess it was the 100th anniversary of the Communist uh, uh, Party uh, uh, last year. Um, and when posed with this kind of direct question in the midst of the Ukrainian war, if he had said anything other than that, I think it would have been um, uh, a moment like uh, um, 1950 when uh, ambiguity from the United States uh, invited uh, Korean aggr- North, uh, uh, communist aggression in Korea. So, I agree with that, Brett. That was Dean Acheson at the press club in 1950, and a lot of apologists have said he didn't mean it. But you're right. The moment and the question called for that kind of clarity. And I think the White House staff walking it back is inimical to the idea that Joe Biden is president. Yeah, no, um, I, I think I think they're making a mistake here because they're playing into the suggestion that the president is uh, uh, not in not uh, in control of his uh, wits or his mouth or his mind or or whatever, which um, at, at this moment in time um, is problematic for deterrence. I think given the question that he was asked, the president may said said the right thing. I hope the message was heard clearly uh, in Beijing. So we agree, and we agree completely. Let's talk about where we disagree, your column of May 3rd. Uh, people can go and read it. I'm not going to selectively quote. How would you summarize, Brett, your position on Dobbs as it looms? It might be released in the next hour, as a matter of fact. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. My my view was that Roe v. Wade was uh, incorrectly decided in, 19, uh, I guess, January of 1973, nearly 50 years ago. 
Uh, but it has been the law of the land for a half century, and I think that overturning it now, as seems likely from the leaked draft of Alito's opinion, would be a radical uh, and not a conservative decision that would have unintended consequences, which we conservatives would regret. Uh, Now, what I want to talk to you about is the term radical. I've been teaching con law for 25 years, Brett, and I don't want to throw case names at you. But my view of the the reason that you are incorrect in this assessment is that Roe was effectively overruled by Casey, where the three-judge joint opinion of Souter, uh, uh, Kennedy, and Justice O'Connor attempted to impose and implored the country to accept a solution that said, Basically, four and a half to five months, no restrictions, and thereafter, any restriction goes. Do you say that that is, in fact, the anchor on which people ought to stand? Is that a fair character, that it's radical to overturn Casey, not Roe? Because Roe is effectively the dead letter. Well, I, don't, I don't agree with you that Casey overturned Roe, and I don't think Brett Kavanaugh would agree with you that Casey overturned Roe. He called Casey precedent upon precedent during his, his confirmation hearing. I think Casey amended Roe. Um, in that it changed the trimester, I mean, substantively changed the trimester scheme on which uh, Roe had uh, initially been based, but um, uh, abortion rights were substantially left untouched in the wake of, of Casey when it appeared that they, would, that they might have been uh, overturned. Um, and by the way, you know, uh, in 1990, what was it, two, when Casey was decided, and Roe was less than 20 years old. I think if Casey had gone the other way, if Kennedy uh, and Souter hadn't changed uh, their minds in that decision, um, I would have less of a problem. I would have had less of a problem then. My, my contention here is that we have had what amounts to a settled law for, for 50 years and change from above decided by two or three unelected justices of the Supreme, uh, Supreme Court would be so extraordinarily disruptive to the way in which Americans, and particularly, obviously, American women, understand their reproductive rights, that it would be precisely the kind of change that we conservatives usually object to, which is, which is an unelected body deciding, like philosopher kings, um, to change the way we understand our constitutional rights. Now, you can make the argument, you can make the argument that Roe, you know, that abortion never, never should have been a, a constitutional right and that it was a bad decision. And, th- and, and therefore, like, say, Plessy v. Ferguson, another bad decision, it doesn't matter how much time has elapsed, it needs to be overturned. But the, but the difference there, Hugh, I would say, is that what happened with Plessy, uh, uh, the, 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 which, which gave birth to, to the evils of Jim Crow, is that Plessy withdrew rights that had been advanced to um, to African Americans, um, and then and then uh, Brown, starting with Brown v. Board, those rights were restored. What you have in this case is a right that has been advanced that is now being withdrawn, and I think that's fundamentally different. And the response, and and I just want to take a minute. I don't want to throw case law at you, but I've got to because I I just don't think you uh, know this. Is that the right that's being restored? with the Dobbs draft is the right of the people to decide this question as they deem fit in their states. What's being restored is federalism. And what part of your argument that is missing is that it is not settled since 1992. In fact, you left out Stenberg v. Carhartt and Gonzalez v. Carhartt, 
a 2000 decision and a 2003 decision. My guess is you don't know those cases. Am I right about that, Brett? Yeah, no, I don't pretend to be a, a constitutional right. scholar, so I don't okay, know. Okay, see if this well. informs, inform, not many people do. In, in Stenberg, Nebraska passed an abortion law, an anti-late-term abortion, partial birth abortion law, and it was struck down as unconstitutional despite the Casey standard that was supposed to settle it. Justice O'Connor switched to the liberal side. Justice Kennedy dissented and was outraged because he said, we settled this in 1992, and basically, Sandra, what are you doing? In 2003, in Gonzalez versus Carhartt, when the court had changed again, the late-term prohibition of the Congress was upheld. And so what you saw was Kennedy trying to restore the standard of 1992, the Casey standard, but in fact, what was on display is that it's a political football that hasn't been settled in 50 years. And the right we ought to restore is that of the people to decide. As Churchill said, trust the people. So until and unless your argument accounts for the Stenberg and Gonzalez take back, the left's attempt to unsettle what was supposedly settled in 1992, it's not radical to say we see what the left is doing and we're going to play the same game, which is to ask the court to get out of it, because the yeah, left but, no, never hang will. On, hang on a second. Hang on a second, okay? Because what you're talking about is essentially uh, fiddling or questions of, of abortion rights um, uh, at the margins, not, 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 not the central right across the United States for women to have access to a uh, legal abortion within some, form, within some sorts of parameters. Second case you're making about federalism is one I'm... I'm, I'm I'm perfectly familiar with. I understand the argument um, uh, that that this the argument on the conservative side that this is a matter that is being, that is that is best left uh, that is best left to the states. Now, if you're cons- one of the ironies of that view is that if your concern here is that the people should decide at the level of states, then you are potentially licensing. Um, unrestricted abortion laws that would that that go far far beyond the standards set in uh in roe and casey to allow you know what 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 would practically amount to infanticide in some of the most uh uh, some of the most liberal cases which is probably not a consequence that most opponents of roe v wade um have in mind Uh, well brett that is but but the question of federalism is also also an important one because federalism exists within certain limits, including the due process clause of the 14th Amendment. And one of the interesting things I find in reading Alito's case is his argument is that basically Roe was just too, of too recent a vintage, uh, which is to say 50 or 49 and a half uh, years, um, to be considered a, a kind of a foundational right um, in the way that some of the other implied rights um, uh, granted by 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 the uh, by the fourteenth Fourteenth uh, Amendment, our foundational rights. I would simply argue with that. Three generations of women have come of age, understanding that a right to an abortion is a is a right that they that they enjoy as a constitutionally protected right. You withdraw this, and I think the consequences to our understanding of rights and to the standing of the court is going to be dramatic, and, and, and we're going to rue it in, in the way that we now rue taking Baghdad. Uh, now, now, let me talk to you about first, the first point. The 
uh, constitutional licensing of late-term abortion and practically infanticide already exists in blue states like California that have constitutionalized it. And indeed, women can have abortions up to the day before birth and indeed during birth. That is the law of the land in California and in other jurisdictions that choose what I think to be morally reprehensible, but nevertheless are reflective of the political culture of that state. So what your first argument, it's a non sequitur because that already exists. We're not licensing that via Dobbs. No one is licensing anything. The political argument moves. But what you don't, I, I don't think you just deal with it, Brett, is that the argument, three generations of American women and three generations of American men and all generations of American citizens have grown up with a political football. The only march that every year draws a half million people is the pro-life march. It has never been settled. It is always the subject of choice and change, and states continue to throw up attempts to overturn Casey or the, quote, settled law, even as states continue to throw up expansions. The only thing that has been constant is the political conflict set off by Roe. And the only way to get out of that particularly thick woods, which is destructive of comedy and common sense, is to let the people decide. And we will have a patchwork of laws like we do on, for example, uh, every other fundamental right, voting. But, but, but what Alito said about fundamental rights analysis is and has been true. The other fundamental rights, like the right to contraception, is rooted in the right to control your family, which dates back to the 20s and beyond at the time. And they existed at the time of the passage of the 14th Amendment. You get a minute to the break, Brett, and then, uh, so, so go ahead. Well, I'm actually not in- entirely clear why exactly, after overturning Roe, uh, the court won- also want to overturn Griswold on precisely the same standard that Samuel Alito has set, which is that this is a right to privacy found nowhere in the Constitution, right? The words, the right to privacy, as far as I, as far as I, as my reading of the Constitution suggests, um, doesn't exist. And so it actually opens the way to overturning in some states those, those rights. I think when we come back, when we come back, we'll talk about what happens when a political settlement occurs post Griswold. There is no one anywhere for proposing the repeal of Griswold or the repeal of Obegafell. We need to take account of the facts as they exist. And when a settlement occurs, the settlement abides. It has never occurred with Roe. Brett Stevens is my guest. I'll be right back after the break, America. Stay tuned. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt, live inside the Beltway, talking with New York Times columnist Brett Stevens about his May 3rd column about the Dobbs decision. He opposes as radical Justice Alito's draft decision. Uh, And he said this, I want to quote this one line. This is partly a matter of stare decisis, but not just that, you wrote. As conservatives, you are philosophically bound to give considerable weight to judicial precedents, particularly when they have been ratified and refined as Roe was by the 1992 Planned Parenthood v. Casey decision over a long period. We talked about that, but we haven't talked about stare decisis yet, Brett. And I want to begin by talking about Citizens United. Did you support the decision of the Supreme Court in Citizens United, which uh, struck down most of the McCain-Feingold Act? Uh, Yes, but I'm having second thoughts about the decision. Okay, but that's a political policy, right? You might want to try and, I mean, it's a First Amendment decision, and Chief Justice Roberts did not write the majority opinion but he concurred wholly in it, and he wrote about, and I would recommend to you, his 2010 decision 
about what it takes to overturn a 30-year precedent, which is what they did in, they overturned the Austin case. Yeah. Uh, and so what he wrote is, quote, stare decisis is a, the preferred course because it promotes the even-handed, predictable, and consistent development of legal principles, fosters reliance on judicial decisions, and contributes to the actual and perceived integrity of the judicial process. And he says it is not a mechanical formula, citing, among other things, Lawrence v. Texas, which was overturned. That was the 1986 decision upholding anti-sodomy laws that was overturned a decade later. If it were, segregation would be legal, minimum wage laws would be unconstitutional, and the government could wiretap ordinary criminal suspects without first obtaining warrants. So the stare decisis decision of 30 years, you're arguing 30 years is enough. Unless you came out saying that Citizens United was radical, you've got two standards for two different areas of law. Well, hang on a second. Uh, what I write is this is partly a matter of stare decisis, but not just that. Um, so I'm, I'm aware that stare decisis is not a sufficient argument. So I go on to say this is also a matter of originalism. And I quote Alexander Hamilton from Federalist 78. To avoid an arbitrary discretion in the courts, it is indispensable that they, meaning the judges, should be bound down by strict rules and precedents, which serve to define and point out their duty in every particular case that comes before them. And end quote. So this idea, I mean, of course, I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fool. I understand that not every previous con- um, court decision was rightly decided, and every now and then they are they are overturned. But the weight they should be given. I think is fairly considerable, particularly when, and this is, this is my core argument to you, particularly when a decision like Roe or Casey has advanced to a huge class of people a right that they have enjoyed and taken for granted for generations. That, I think, is something that deserves a hell of a lot more consideration than the question of whether corporations should be treated as having uh, as enjoying first first amendment rights. Well, this is where we fundamentally disagree. They have not taken it for granted. As you have seen, the abortion debate is never ending, and it will never end because it concerns first principles on the status of the unborn child, and I don't think anyone argues that it's not a child in the ninth month. A lot of people argue that early term abortions in the first month don't make a difference. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I don't believe there's any way a court is going to strike down, uh, because of the Commerce Clause, the FDA's decision to license the morning-after pill. And there's no way that the court is going to wade into the California constitutional framework. When they are done with it, they're going to be done with it. And here is the key argument why I think yours is the radical position, not the conservative position. The abortion jurisprudence continues to distort and pervert our law in other areas, especially with regards to free speech, especially with regards to First Amendment rights. And Justice Scalia used to say, unless until we get rid of the idea that a majority vote of nine unelected people makes the law in the United States, we are in a world of hurt. That's a paraphrase. And we're going to see that again. And it's just never going to stop because it's a religious matter and unless you trust the people of the states or you get 60 votes to pass the radical law that Chuck Schumer wanted to, to pass, we are just postponing and continuing the fraying of the national conversation. Look, in some sense, I agree with you, Hugh, which is to say that if, in fact, this decision comes down substantially the way Alito has uh, has, has written it on a on a five to four or six to three vote, 
the abortion argument is going to continue. In fact, I think it's going to do more to make it's going to make our politics more vicious. I think it is going to degrade the integrity of the court. This leak of the decision, which I I I, I rue and condemn, and I think is a horror, along with protests outside of the homes of justices, are going to become that much more intense. And that's why I say to you, Hugh, uh, this is going to be the uh, domestic policy equivalent of um, American troops in uh, in Baghdad, which is going to be something we will regret in later years. I guess that I, I think that the expression is Pyrrhic victory. And, and what I say to you, if, I, if we're going to use that analogy, eventually you have to withdraw from a field that is contested. You don't want to withdraw like we withdrew in Afghanistan, unannounced, without anyone knowing and without uh, any kind of security for those on one side. But the court, to save the court, has to get out of this forest, Brett. I've been, I've been trying to make this argument for 25 years. I'm not making a life begins a conception argument. I'm making a Federalist 78 argument. It's the weakest branch. It needs to restore its credibility. This is why, the, by the way, I think the Chief Justice uh, assigned it to Alito and will concur and will point to his uh, concurrence in Citizens United about stare decisis. By the way, we, in, in, that, in, in that respect, I, I suspect that you're, you're, you're right about Roberts's, uh, 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 Roberts's uh, vote. This is not going to end this. It's not going to end it at the court level. The six to three conservative majority won't last uh, forever, and this battle will, will, will never end. We had something like a settled consensus in the United States. Abortions were actually going down in this country, which is a, I think everyone would agree, is a is a good thing. This is just going to be another upheaval in a world already riven with upheavals. Uh, and, and we disagree about how to get to peace, though we both want to get to peace. Let me close with this. I don't know if you if you focused on Justice Alito's uh, comment that the standard that will replace the the scrutiny of Casey will be the rational basis test. I believe that the court will strike down any complete ban on abortion that prohibits early term abortion. I believe they will count that as irrational and that it is not in keeping. And there are a bunch of precedents like City of Claiborne and other places where rational basis doesn't mean that legislatures get a free pass. If radical laws are passed, especially any law punishing a woman getting an abortion, those laws will be struck down. I, I really do why? believe that. Why? Because why? they are irrational in the way that Claiborne... Why, why, why shouldn't the court... Here's, here's the weakness of your argument. Why shouldn't the court leave that to the states to decide? Because the rational basis test has been articulated for much longer than 50 years and goes back, indeed, to the beginning of strict scrutiny, which is the famous footnote for, and I don't want to teach con law on the, on the radio with you, which is when something so offends so much of the country... The court will rise up and strike it down, as they have done repeatedly under rational basis. And I do believe there is an enormous 90 percent plus consensus in America to leave this to the states. I believe it is a supermajority position to leave it to the states. But I also believe it's a supermajority position that if you attempt to ban abortion in the first month or the day after pill, the morning after pill, the court will reflect that consensus under a rational basis review. If I'm right, Brett, does that ease your mind about where we're heading, which is to uh, stasis uh, with women on notice and men on notice that any um, 
mistake they make with regard to pregnancy should be remedied early if they think it's a mistake. I'm not making a moral judgment. I'm Catholic. I believe I life begins you, I at birth. I think you've just made my argument for me, and you've, and you, and you've essentially rested, rested the, 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 the future of, of abortion and, in fact, of, uh, of uh, uh, um, other reproductive, uh, reproductive uh, freedoms in the hands of, of states who may be um, uh, much less uh, liberal-minded than even you are. I, I am I am completely at ease with that because I believe as Churchill did, trust the people. And if the Federalist, not just seventy eight, but anything can be understood in their entirety, it comes down to we have dual sovereignty and we will trust the people of the United States when they act according but, but to But one their... last point. The entire constitution of the United States, the entire structure of government checks and balances the existence of a Supreme Court. John Marshall's uh, jurisprudence is all about not entirely trusting the people. It is about not entirely trusting the people on the limited and enumerated powers that have been delegated to the Congress. And when we get, when we break out of that uh, constitutional construct, when we take away the right of states to control the dual sovereignty that was created in 1789 and ratified by the people, not by the states, we risk becoming one government, which is the nightmare. Then it becomes the opportunity, the invitation to authoritarianism, which so many people worried about for so long under Donald Trump and under uh, other people, other uh, uh, political figures in the past, Brett. We've got to stick thank, with thank, the Constitution. Thank, thank, goodness for the, thank goodness for the 14th Amendment, which made us a hell of a lot more one government and less a federal system in which particular states could, could, could pass laws that, that vitiated the fundamental rights of large portions of their citizens. And Brett, last last phrase. Our uh, Section 5 of the 14th Amendment provides the Congress with the United States with the authority to uh, enact laws to further its purposes. If and when there is a supermajority uh, to do that in the Senate, because I know you're in favor of the filibuster as I am, then I'm going to shut up. Because then the fifth, because the Fourteenth Amendment is very much a part of the Constitution, as is segment, uh, Section Five, and that allows for the sorts of laws that Chuck Schumer tried to get passed and could not even get a majority, including members of his own party, to support. We are not a radical country on this issue. We are a leave uh, people alone country, but protect children in the womb when they have become indeed unarguably children. Yes. And 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 at the rate that this court is is working, Chuck Schumer might just get that majority. He might. But, you you know, can, can I ask you, you don't think Obergefell, same sex marriage is under no threat, nowhere, anywhere in the United States. Contraception is under no threat, nowhere oh, in the think, United by States. The way, absolutely. Obergefell is, 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 is under a threat. I mean, that's, an, that's that, what, what is that? The 2015, a, a seven year precedent based on a Supreme Court decision um, against the will at least at the time of uh, a majority, if not a large plurality of the uh, of, of the American people. So I do think that that's that that's realistically under threat, which is another reason not enumerated in my 825 word column. Why I think overturning Roe, I think, sends shivers up the spines of people who are enjoying rights that, as you put it, no, or as Alito put it, nowhere existed in the early days of the republic. And, Brett, here's the key. If you write that column, go and try and find one state law that attempts to inhibit Obergefell or one that attempts to control contraception, one state law that is passed. None exists, none are proposed, none are coming. We constitutional law professors deal with the world as it is, and that threat does not exist. And I don't want to scare people. It just doesn't exist. 
well, well let, let, let's revisit this, this argument. Uh, if this decision goes the way both you and I think it is, we'll go in, say, five or ten years' time. Deal. Brett Stevens, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for joining me Thanks this morning. I appreciate you. it. Be well. You bet. Be well. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.